Welcome back to Poldark Podcast. We're still currently the only podcast on the interwebs dedicated entirely to the Poldark saga, which is strange. It's been a year and really? a half to keep up, people. Yeah, what's <laughs> up with that? Yeah, so we're dedicated to the Poldark saga, which was created by our lord and saviour, Winston Graham, <laughs> and all of the adaptations, such as the currently airing version on the BBC starring Michelle's lord and saviour, Aidan Turner. <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> so, I guess uh, we should introduce ourselves again. Uh, my name is Rita. I live in the UK. You can find me tweeting at Rita Bites and currently, bizarrely, blogging about Dawson's Creek at Princess of Poldark on Tumblr. <laughs> and I'm joined by my lovely co hosts. Hi, I am Dolinda. I am French. I live in France. Yeah, duh. Um, <laughs> I tweet at Dolinda and uh, you can find me on Tumblr at uh, British Liso. And I am Michelle. I live in the States. And you can find me tweeting at uh, Musings, M-M-M-U-S-I-N-G-S, and on Tumblr at Poldark Muses. Now, this week's podcast is a special one. Yes. Very special podcast. Because we have a special guest. <laughs> yeah, we have an awesome returning guest uh she previously appeared in episode 39 of this podcast titled a cornish adventure so if you haven't given that a listen you need to go back and give it a whiz because it was really entertaining and hilarious and we got such a positive feedback that we invited her back yes so welcome back karen from products cornwall hi karen hello everybody nice to be back mm. hi oh it's great yeah. to have you happy new year yes happy new year to you god that seems yes. like such yes. a long time ago we've had two epic storms since then <laughs> um i've got a couple questions for you miss karen go for it <laughs> okay uh first of all who are you do you know i ask myself that about seven o'clock every morning um, and I've never given myself the same same answer twice. So that's, um, yeah. <laughs> Who am I? Um, well, they call me Mrs. Poldark in Cornwall now, which just, but that, that was just slightly hilarious. Um, I am a self-confessed nutcase, really. Um, uh, I live exactly where Winston Graham did. Um, I'm, uh, the books were written at the end of my road. Um, I know pretty much everywhere he was speaking about within to the inch. Um, and, uh, I've been involved with it since, since before it started really. So I don't mean originally, by the way, I just would like to put that in context. You know, I might feel like I'm getting five, but I'm clearly not. She says, hopefully. Um, so no, it's, uh, uh, it's something I've been involved with since, since the, this series started production. Um, although mm. my original um, love of it came from the 70s series, that's when I started reading the books. Because I was, I was locked in an absolutely horrendous boarding school, dreaming for the life of of a of a beaten waif and urchin. You know, thinking, but you know, this can't be any worse than what she's going through. So, uh, um, so maybe I'm, my day will come, and I will find my Captain Ross, and he will gallop across the cliff tops, having scooped me up, looking like I need a jolly good bath. Um, so far, no, that actually hasn't happened. Um, maybe I just don't get dirty enough. You know, maybe I need to roll around in the mud a little bit and maybe crop my hair and behave a little bit more beaten. And, you know, you never know. Maybe I should hang around on cliff tops more often. Um, yes. 
I wouldn't I would need to actually leave my computer, which doesn't seem to be happening very much because on top of my Poldark stuff, I also um, I'm uh, I'm a therapeutic person centered counsellor. So I see um, I I I look after people who are mainly coming out of domestic abuse situations. Um, And on top of that, I'm a parish councillor. And that one has had me up until the wee small hours of the day for the last few weeks because, as you've probably seen on the news, we have been battered by some epic storms and we've had significant damage to the beach and various other areas. And uh, and besides which, I do like going to council because I like a good row. (laughs) (laughs) And they're pretty much guaranteed. So so that's me in a nutshell, really. Um, I'm a mother, I'm a grandmother, I'm a dog owner. All my downline are female, so clearly I'm just I'm just the head of a coven. Um, so yes, it's uh, that's us, that's us. As you well know. Awesome, awesome. Well, um, how long have you lived in uh, Perinporth, which is the the town that you live? And as you said, your house is you know kind of right smack dab, you know the Poldark Central. Um, so how long have you lived in Perinport? Um, it was 11 years, 11 years ago last September when we moved in. Um, my house is an old mine captain's house. Um, it also would have been a farmhouse in exactly the same way as Nampara would have been both. Um, very much a, a, a house of its time. Um, it overlooks uh, an area called uh, St George's, and there was two main mines in Perrinporth, um, the Great St George Mine, which is a copper mine, and also Wheel Leisure, uh, which, is, which is a copper and tin mine here. Um, very, very, very large, um, basically what the entire village is. It's on the verge of a town now, we've grown significantly, but it's really what started the community off. And it had two sort of industries here. It was mining um, and sane fishing. And you've seen a good, you've you've seen sane fishing with uh, with uh, with Judd in series one when he swims out and goes around. And about the time, you know, he takes the uh, the nets round. It's a there's two ways of doing it. You're not really supposed to swim out with it. In fairness, there are boats that do that. But the principle is much the same. You do, you, you take and you, you scoop around and then you pull the nets onto the beach, thus landing the catch directly onto the beach. So there was a little bit of um, um, artistic license with the filming of the Pilchard Harvest in Series 1 when they're at the bottom, bottom of, of Porthgwara Slipway because they scoop them all out into, you know, from the boat um, right. And that wouldn't that wouldn't that's not really the way you say in fish. I mean, it was a way, but it's more likely to have been that they would have dragged the whole thing onto the beach. Very weighty, required all and sundry to get behind it, and um, pretty much the entire village would turf up and help pull a pull a cast in when when they'd done that. So you were either a fisherman, a farmer, or a miner, and that's pretty much um, describes all the things I've never been actually. Uh, so. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> Yeah, I think I think I went fishing once uh, when I was uh, in college, and uh, oh my god, I thought I had the biggest fish ever on my fishing line, and finally pulled it up, and it was maybe four <laughs> inches long, and I was like, okay, I'm done, not doing that anymore. <laughs> but those little those, those little fishes uh, put up a hell of a fight. 
they have small fish syndrome, you know, you know, so you've got to watch out for the small ones. They're feisty. <laughs> well, now I know you've you've mentioned a little bit about um, uh, some of the details about uh, how the the town is uh, important to the series, but uh, tell us a bit about uh, the importance of the town to Winston Graham. Well, Winston lived here for many years, um, and he wrote. Ross Poldark, uh, he started writing that in 1942 when he was volunteering as a Coast Guard in the war, looking over what you know as Hendrona Beach, we know it as Perrinporth Beach. Historically, go back, you know, millennia, it will have been called Hendrona at one point. Perrinporth acquired the name Perrinporth after St Piran landed here on on the sand. So Hendrona is an ancient name that's attached to here. So he didn't, it's not something he dreamt up and named up. Um, Nampara, also an ancient um, name here. It's an area of Perrinporth is called Nampara. And indeed, uh, Winston's house was called Nampara Lodge. And um, it's not exactly, it's not here anymore. It was demolished sadly. And it's now, it's now a little row of three houses called Nampara Row. Um, and, uh, it's, it's not exactly where he describes it as when you're reading the books, you hear about the salt hitting the windows and those kind he would have had it a little bit closer to the sea, not a huge amount, a little bit down the hill from where I am, definitely with a sort of view out to sea. So a little bit round the curve of the hill from where I am, um, at the bottom of the hill where I am is the Malinji stream, um, which is a stream you read about when Ross is returning back from any of his um, little jaunts into Truro. Um, a jaunt into Truro being eight miles from here. So we're talking about, a, you know, a good maybe an hour on horseback, maybe a bit more. Um, on his way back on these occasions, he would always have to cross the Malinji stream before he gets home. And that one's mused about quite often in the books. Um, and the Malinji stream just runs along through the bottom about 100 yards from my house here. So um, in terms of the significance and everything here, everything is literally here. Um, a nice thing, I think I took you. Did I not take you to, sh to show you where Sir John Opie, the Royal Academician painter, lived? I think I might have done. I don't think so. Did you? Oh, be very you surprised if I didn't. In such a short period of time. Yeah, uh. that was, it was a very short period of time. But anyhow, um, between here and St Agnes, which is the St Anne's of the books, and St Agnes is four miles away from here. So we're talking about as a coastal route, if you're walking it, again, we'll take you about an hour or so. That's about approximately right. Between the two and set back about a mile inland is exactly where Trenwith would have been. Um, Trenwith was not set on the coast because the houses of the first son wouldn't wouldn't have been on the coast. They would have been set back a little bit to prevent, you know, to protect them from the elements. The more expensive houses were all a little bit inland because it wasn't considered that a sea view was a was a um, a selling point in those days. It was considered to be just a, a, an invitation to get to get blown yeah. about, basically. So. Um, Nampara would have been the coastal property and hence it would have been the slightly poorer of the two and uh, and Trenwith would have been the more expensive property and slightly set in land. Now there is a there is a property um, that is 
used to belong to the actual mine captain of Wheel Leisure, actually, um, who was a, who was a guy called uh, uh, Captain John Oates, and his ancestor as well. So the Oates family were 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 big in in mining and definitely did ro- own and run um, Wheel Leisure for that period. Um, he has a house that's set in about a mile inland between the two. It's now a hotel. Um, and yeah, there is a suggestion for me. No one's ever corroborated this. This is just me thinking outside the box and thinking, how would he have done this? And where would this be? I would think that in, in terms of location, it's pretty much where Winston Graham was putting Tren with. He, in, he didn't use that as his inspiration for it. Indeed, he used um, one of the National Trust properties down here as his inspiration for it, Trice. However, between the two, between, between that property and, and here, so if we start calling Perrinporth Saul, those who know the books will know that that's what Perrinporth is supposed to be. Um, and between Saul and St Anne's um, is a tiny little lane called Blowing House, and blowing house is is a mining term. A blowing house was actually a smelting house. It refers to the bellows to keep the fires going. Um, and down blowing house, there is a a, a, um, a cottage, little thatch thatch cottage. And we don't have a lot of thatch cottages around here because with this Atlantic wind, the, the roofs wouldn't stay on very much. So it's nestled down into a valley, and it's an old thatch cottage. It's probably about fourteenth century in origin. And that was the birthplace of Sir John Opie, who was the Royal Academician of the day. He was very celebrated. Um, he uh, And he is the one that George commissions to do a painting of himself and Elizabeth. Um, the one that when he when when he removes Francis's painting from 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 the winter parlour. He take and he, she says, "Oh, Geoffrey Charles is going to be very upset." And he says, mm, "Yeah, well, I'm, we're going to have a better one of us." Um, and being as being as David Bailey wasn't around to take photographs in that day, and he had to wait. He, they had to get the next best thing. The next best thing just happened to be Sir John Opie, who, by complete coincidence, just happened to, in reality, have been born about half a mile away from there. So the chances are they would have known him. The chances are the Poldarks would have been the only people who in the area who would have been able to afford to commission him. So that's wow. when that's Winston at his best as <laughs> as a historian, really delving oh into the nitty gritty. And that's the kind of crazy stuff I really love, actually. Yeah, when you you know when you think about you know the the books and. Um... I know that uh, I've read the entire series. Thalanda, have you? You're still reading through the series. It's a long series. Fair enough. And and Rita, you've read the series. Yeah. Uh, when you when you go through the series, heck, if you've only read the first book, um, it's clear how much kind of depth the depth of research that. Uh, Graham must have done in order to create this world uh, that he has done within the series. And the, you know, the wonderful thing about it is, you know, it was all right there at his feet. I love the way that Winston managed to incorporate real life people into the narrative of this because it gets so blurry in my head. You're like, wait, that person was real. (laughs) And they're a character in this. 
you can actually go through you could go through it with two two different color highlighters actually going through the books and you could go real fiction real fiction real and you'd bring out all the one and Richard Tonkin he's a real guy Richard Tonkin was an industrialist he's the one that's played by my darling friend oh, wow. Rory Wilton um and Rory is a as a local actor and played the the part of Richard Tonkin who sets up the Carmel Copper Company with Ross spectacularly well um and his real life yes. partners with Emma Spurgeon Hussey who's also a lo- lo- local actress who played Mrs Zaki Martin so he had a husband and wife that, that that are in that are in the series not playing husband and wife um but Richard Tonkin was actually a, a St. Agnes man. So he was a St. Anne's man, effectively. Let's go to Poldark terminology. And he was very large. He was an industrialist at the time. He was very wealthy. He was not directly involved in the mining, but he was very much um, involved with how the mining functioned. He was the person that actually... Um, had the harbour built at St Agnes. That is many, many years long gone now because storms have have taken that away a long time ago. But there used to be a little boat building concern there and he was um, the boat builder there. So when Mammoth Screen were talking about series three and four, coming into series four, of course, we're going to start talking about Mr Blewett and his boat building concerns over in Loo. Now, there was some discussion that maybe they should go really historical and keep Rory in the series and make him the boat building um, connection and make it still Tonkin and here, according to what would have happened. So um, I don't, that didn't happen. Um, but darn. In, darn, absolutely. But Mingus House is, is just outside of, um, of St Agnes. So you've got Mingus there. Um, most of these names are real. Most of them, Zila's real. Um, Marazan Vos, which you've read, that that's that's one to get your your head around, your tongue around, isn't it? Mar- it's, it's Marazan yeah, that Vos. That is one of my that is one of my absolute favorite words in the entire series. <laughs> <laughs> so Marazan Vos is um, is a funny little um, hamlet that our main arterial road, the A30, goes smack through the middle of. But it does it does sort of intersect. If you were if you were riding or flying as a crow, um, you would go indeed go through Marazan Vos to get to Saul. Um, so that would have and now you wouldn't, but you would have done then. So all these things he's done a lot of. Um, at the time he was writing and doing his research, there wasn't very many people here because it was a bit of industrial wasteland still. Um, nature hadn't decided to reclaim the, the the bits of the land that mining had left its ravages on for many hundred of years. Um, and nobody had heard of tourism, really. So um, it's taken some time, and I guess it's a good hundred years on now. We are looking at things in a different way, and we're looking at them ecologically, and we're looking at them... Um, in terms of heritage and culture and reinstatement and all those kind of things are very, very much uh, buzzwords of the day. So at the time, um, I think it was a very, very quiet playground for Winston and his family. He had a lot of opportunity to to really delve into what was there because there will have been some old folks around, of course, who will have known that, um, who will have experienced Wheel Leisure, not at its zenith, but they would have experience the people um you know their families would have all worked down wheel leisure and we've had people a chap recently died um 
called Trevor Miners. Um, is a neighbour of mine actually. Is lives about a lived about uh, well, I think it's about eight or nine doors down from me. He died last year, very sadly, and he had the, he was an extraordinary mine of information. Um, he took one of the last stones out of Wheel Leisure, and he incorporated it into a wall that's down in the town, and it's a copper stone, so it bleeds green, verdigris the whole time. And it's um, it was and it says this this stone was removed from Wheel Leisure in whatever date it was, and that was part of the demolition of the last of Wheel Leisure. Um, the main engine house at Wheel Leisure is no longer there because it's smack in the middle of the town, but it was demolished and they formed the seawall out of it. So the seawall now, the seawall now that that you that you know that you've walked along with me and gone down when we went down to the pub. The stat sea wall is all made out of the stones that were the engine house of Wheel Leisure. Because if you've got That's these, so st- cool. if you've got these <laughs> giant lumps of rock lying I'm around, I'm just kind of keeping out them. right now. <laughs> so, um, yes, it it is part of um, my dear friend Malcolm Bell, who's the head of the tourism industry down here in Cornwall. Um, which, yes, he's the CEO of Visit Cornwall. He and I have sat down and talked about Poldark a lot. And he put it in a really good way. He said he thought that Poldark was very much part of the DNA of Cornwall. And we have a great sense of ownership of it, not just from a point of view of tourism and everything, but because it's actually, in terms of a written social history, is probably the most accessible way for you to read about the history of Cornwall and how it really worked. It, it's understandable. It's got enough factual stuff running through it that it's pretty much on the money with the odd thing that isn't right, like lacing up dresses down the back. And we all know he deliberately screwed up on that one. But, you know, <laughs> so um, because, no, they did dresses up down the front at that point. So, no, she was just being a bit of a strumpet and seducing him. And she clearly put the be- and she clearly put the dress on back to front to make it as difficult as possible. But but apart from that, he's pretty much on the money with um with with the actual historical relevance of it. And if you want, I mean, it's like any other historical novel. You know, if you want to know something about um, Mary Queen of Scots, you're unlikely to sit down and, and read a, a historical you know, reference book from the library, you're much more likely to pick up Elizabeth Bird's Immortal Queen and and read about how Bothwell ravaged her in the bedroom whilst pouring Madeira wine into her lips from his. Because let's face it, (laughs) it makes a better read. So, you know, but at the same time, you do learn things that you think, oh, did that actually happen? Well, yes, these things did actually happen. Um, I might just have to go back and read that one again. (laughs) Well, I know that, you know, like the, the first the first series, um, you know, was shot so beautifully uh, and the weather that they had uh, for the filming, you know, as uh, all of the uh, actors have said in interviews was so amazing. Uh, you know, it made made Cornwall look like, you know, we were in the Mediterranean. Um, and so, you know, for me. You know, for me, when I watched the first series, you know, I just, in addition to falling in love with, with, you know, the, the 
the material and 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 you know okay okay maybe a little bit with Aiden Turner maybe just a tiny bit uh, <laughs> a little yeah. bit um, I fell in love with Cornwall just from seeing how beautiful it was in that first series and then reading the books just added another layer of um, kind of the inquisitive nature to, to you know they kind of inspired my inquisitive nature it's like i i must experience it and so when i uh went over last year you know it was it was a dream it was an absolute dream and it was everything that i thought it was going to be um and more and more so uh it is it is an absolutely exquisite place on this planet well, I'm not going. I'm not going to argue with you. I'm. I'm I am a little biased, obviously, um, but I do. I. I mean, I find it a lovely place to be. I really do. It's. Um, we're lucky. We're very lucky. It's got. Um, for me, proximity of the sea to the sea has always been a bit of a life force thing. So I feel every time I move house, I have this thing thinking I'm not going to move unless it means I move closer to the sea. Well. You know, the only move left to me now is like is 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 180 degrees facing in the other direction, really. And apart from that, I don't really need to do anything else. Um, and I know that I'm very lucky with that. Um, you know, my family don't all share that. Some of my my daughters prefer um, moorland and that kind of a thing. But for me, fortunately, I make the decisions right now. So um, live by the sea is what I love doing. Um, and there is a cost to that. You know, there is there is a trade-off. It's a difficult place to live and work. You do have to be very flexible about you, what you want to do. Um, and there aren't the financial um, rewards for being here. It's, it's the most financially deprived place in the country in terms of in terms of the disparity between the cost of living and 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 the wages that are oh, interesting. Yeah, so um, you do have to be um, understanding of that, prepared to take that hit, um, or you live with it, or you just don't do it, you know. Mm-hmm. And people do become disillusioned. They sometimes move down here, they oh, have this wow. fabulous Id- idyll, and think, oh, this is going to be wonderful, we're going to live in the middle of this rural thing, but and then realise that, you know, they're, had, they're having to take a 50% or more cut in what they, in what they earn, but houses are pretty much the same price as as, as the southeast, and uh, everything else is more expensive. So it's um, yeah. it, it's a particular way of life, and not everyone can hack it. Um, so it's an mm-hmm. it's an astounding place to visit for a lot of people. But I think a lot of people do come just to, and you're you're absolutely right in saying it's there's nowhere like it. I don't think there is anywhere like Cornwall anywhere yeah. in the world. It is geographically unique i think um it's historically unique it's um it's got a tenacity of spirit that has brought it back from the grave um in terms of when it, when mining died we lost such a huge amount of the economy here it it didn't die because the minerals ran out by the way the minerals are all are all there still um, it just became uneconomical to get them out of the ground here because, you know, wages were higher, ground was harder. You could do things in, in, in India for a fraction of the, of the amount or Mexico 
or many parts of the States or Australia and, and all the places that our Cornish miners moved off to because there was more opportunity for them. So that's when it all went into decline. And it, it went into decline because it was held to ransom. The entire industry was held to ransom by um, taxes that shouldn't have been applied and also by um, the high price of coal in order to extract minerals because you know you needed coal to run the engines and the pumps and everything and we do not have any coal we had to buy it in so we would be buying it in mainly from south wales but also from other parts of the country and we were absolute slaves to the price of coal so hmm. once that once that balance tips unfavorably it doesn't take long for a for for an economy to take a massive downturn and then people have to go elsewhere because they have to feed their families so that's why the decline when it came was very rapid. Um, but the, the upscaling of that has been very much that, you know, they're a tenacious lot, the Cornish. Um, and there is an awful lot of pe people like us who aren't born Cornish, but have chosen to be here. Um, so different ways of thinking have been imported into the county. And over a couple of generations of struggle, um, then they do actually start listening to us now. And so there's a lot of people who weren't born here who pretty much, you know, who determine a lot of what happens here now. There's as many non-Cornish um, influential people as there are Cornish. Um, yeah, I, I, if I had to live anywhere else in the UK, I wouldn't. And I would only move anywhere other than Cornwall for more... For more, well, we get lots of sunshine. I'm not going to moan about that, but we do get a lot of, of rain too. But sometimes when you get to this point in the in the winter, when you've had two months of, oh my God, we've had some heavy storms. Um, when you've had two months of constant battering from the Atlantic, you do think, I know I understand why people work for six months and then they bugger off to Bali for another, you know, for three. You know, I can understand. <laughs> that you know if it wasn't for grandchildren and yeah. dogs and all the rest of it I, I'd be right with them <laughs> oh god yeah we very similar here it's like everyone around here really starts getting itchy around this time of year and so you well, start you've got hearing very about similar people climate, like, haven't going you? to Hawaii or going to Palm Springs or <laughs> doing something somewhere in the sun so uh, I totally understand but, uh, you know, thank you for sharing um, kind of some of the the current realities of life in Cornwall and uh, as well as uh, the, the historical aspects of uh, mining, especially um, learning a bit about the real wheel leisure. Uh, try saying that five times fast. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, especially at 612 in the morning. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, you know, that, that was really informative and, and, um, that was, that was terrific. Um, let me ask you, do you have a favorite spot in Cornwall? Um, my couch. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a, that sounds like a good place to be. It from about 7.30 in the evening. I don't want to move from it. Put it that way. Um. Apart from that, without a shadow of a doubt, 
It's the end of my road. It, there's nothing like it. At the end of my road is an area called Droskin. It used to be an old, many, many, many mine heads just there. Um, Droskin mine was a big mine. Um, any pictures that you look at of Perrinport will show you um, an arch, lots of uh, stone arches. Those are all parts of mines. People make the mistake of thinking that all of those things are natural caves and arches and everything that just been carved by the sea. They've been enhanced by the sea, but they were originally made as, as you know, they, they're mines all around that area. It's a bit of a Swiss cheese underground. But with but standing on the top of Droskin Point and looking up the three miles of Hendrona Beach, as it should be, is my favourite. Uh, there's nothing like it. And going down, I've got a secret little step steps that go down on the other side from the beach. Um, which take me down, and I did a recording that I posted on uh, Facebook a few weeks ago, into what was, according to Winston's handwritten map, where he put the thing, is actually what he described as Nampara Cove. Um, it's, it, we just call it Droskin, and we go down there. Um, I had a fall down there a couple of weeks ago, which was a nasty one, actually, because we'd had so much of the sand removed from the beach, it made the rocks very, very super slippy, and uh, I bruised my thigh from knee to hip just falling oh. one day and it was and I'm, I'm really sure-footed and I'm used to doing this a lot but it was the date there was no saving me and I went and I hit my hit my leg quite badly but um down there is my uh, because when you're down at the bottom of these cliffs and they're looming above you and you know that it's not just the the natural majesty of it it's the fact that there is so many human stories attached to that particular locality and it's the human stories that will always get me so, yes, I am extraordinarily <laughs> lucky that I live in my favourite place. Yeah. <laughs> and it, and, and it, and it, it became my favourite place having been here. I only got to be here because I was exiled by my ex-husband. <laughs> <laughs> That's another story. I'll tell you that another day. So, <laughs> but, you know, I had, to, I had to get a flat one day because he and I had a big falling out. And I thought... Yeah, I should probably go and stay somewhere for a while. Who do I know that's got a spare flat? Oh, my cleaner, because my cleaner was, yeah, quite well off. She had about four different flats. Phoned her up and I said, you don't happen to have a place I could just go and have for a month, could you? Because I can't stand being around Frank one more minute. And uh, she said, well, yeah, funnily enough, I've got this flat at Perrinporth. I thought, yeah, done. So I was in there by about midday and I thought... I've never really walked on Perrinporth Beach because if you drive through Perrinporth, you can't see the bloody beach. And, you know, so you walk through and think, what's all this about the beach? Where's the beach? So I, and I'd, I'd lived down here about four or five years at this point, but not in this immediate locality. Walked out of my flat over the dunes and went, oh, my God, look at this beach. This is the most awesome beach in the whole world. And properly bought a house here. Never went back to the husband. Yay. <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh God, that's hilarious. Oh geez. Well, I'm uh, lucky for you. You're living in your favorite spot um, in Cornwall. Uh, now you've you have mentioned that there have been some pretty uh, spectacular, and I don't necessarily mean that in the good way, uh, storms that have uh, basically hit Cornwall pretty hard. 
uh, this year. I think I heard that there have been five named storms. Oh, God, I so don't know. Far. There's only the one that we're really interested in, because only one actually flooded us. <laughs> and not me personally, because I'm up the hill, as you know. Um, and that one, which ju- I just so thought was right. Eleanor. So, so which right. I just thought was hilarious. <laughs> I, yes. I, 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 the next day, after Eleanor had flooded the place where Poldark is set, I spoke to Mammoth Scream <laughs> and I said, excuse me, do you think you could get Eleanor down here to do a piece about she's really sorry how they've just flooded Saul, but she's going to do all she can to, to help us? And uh, the publicist said to me, she said, I wish I could. Poor Perrinpoth. I love Perrinpoth. She said, I've seen it on the news. But she said, I ca-, she said, they are so busy at the moment. I can't even, they won't let me send her on any PR, let alone come down to, per- to Perrinpoth. <laughs> I said, oh, well, it was worth a shot. She said, well, you could speak to her personal publicist. But I thought, I didn't want to put help hold poor old Eleanor Tomlinson personally responsible for the ravages <laughs> to the village but we lost um for a while we lost the access there was no dry access onto the beach for about a week because the river rerouted itself around the side of the bridge all the handrails on the bridge were lost they still haven't been replaced um we lost all the uh PREs which are the um the 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 personnel rescue equipment the life boys so they all disappeared. God only knows where they. Oh no! One of them wound up in, in a, one of them wound up in uh, a garden. So I managed to retrieve that one. So that's been put back. We lost every bin and dog poo bin. And the funniest thing about this was, I'm not going to say it's not funny. It made me. It drove me insane. Was that people would still come and they would diligently pick up their dog poo. Hopefully, not all the time, but most of the time. And then they would put the bag where the dog poo bin used to be. And I, and I walk past it and think, what dog poo fairy do they think moves it? Yeah, we've had lots of things like that. My friend's uh, restaurant was flooded, significantly flooded, which was, um, and the whole of the beach car park was well underwater by about two feet. Yeah. Um, it was spectacular. It wasn't as bad as the ones that we had in the winter of um, four years ago. Um, so the ones four years ago came up significantly higher and they were, when we had like four, one after another, they didn't have names because in those days we didn't do names. We only started naming <laughs> storms two years ago. And I think it's because, you know, we looked at yours and we went, oh, look, the Americans have got, they had Katrina and they had this and they had all these storms, with really fancy names. We need a storm with a fancy name. So two years ago, apparently, suddenly we had Storm Eamon, whoever it was, it was the first one, or Anna, probably. That's my first name, by the way. So whoever was the first one and suddenly went, oh, are we naming storms now? How very different. <laughs> storms so i think after we had after we had eleanor there was another one called fion um with, with a double f so fion and uh which, which fion now as far as i knew fion was a girl's name because one of our really rather terrible prime ministers from a few years ago had a wife called fion fion with extra fuzz but apparently because of game of thrones fion is now a boy's name so last yes. night a couple of nights we had Storm 
Georgina, I think it was, so maybe we're back on track now. So yes, we're down to, a, I think we've had all, we've had about six named storms, obviously A, B, C, wow. D, E, F, G. We've had seven named storms now, but they haven't all hit us. The only one that uh -huh. decided to come and kick our ass was Eleanor. Yeah, we'd, we'd uh, gotten an ask in the uh, inbox for the, our Tumblr page that had mentioned that some of the filming locations had been impacted. Have you heard anything about um, some of the impact the storms have had on some of our favorite uh, beaches and such? Eleanor, Eleanor was no respecter of an expensive film location, put it that way. That's all I can read. She didn't go, oh, whoopsie, hang on a minute, they're going to need to start filming there in a few months. I'll just nip round that beach and go round the other side. Um, so, uh, Holywell Bay uh, lost a lot of sand off it. We, we did too. Um, we're all on the same coast. It's the next beach over from us. So, um, there's a lot of shingle that's been exposed. Lots of rocks have come up. Um, that weren't visible before. But Mother Nature, as long as we don't screw with it, Mother Nature will put it right in her own time. You know, I'm a firm believer that the worst, you know, if you start getting tractors out and moving things around and trying to repair it, what it does is it affects the density of sand, it affects the way it lies. Um, it's called, it's a proper science called geomorphology, marine geomorphology. There you go. <laughs> Something else I know absolutely sod all about. Okay. But I do have some <laughs> meetings. I do have some meetings coming up so that next time I speak to you, I might sound like I know what I'm talking about. Tell me, did they wipe out the dunes? Good God, no. <laughs> no, they haven't wiped out the dunes. She was really hoping they were gone. She hates yeah. Them. I hate the dunes. I mean, they're beautiful, but I hate them. Well, the thing about dunes is when you cut them, you get, you know, if a, if a big tide does come in and, and slices bits of them away, you get what's known as a sand cliff. Now, they're very dangerous because um, pe people have this uncanny stupidity of going up underneath them and standing up and looking and saying, look how high that is. It's sand. And I said, and I sometimes say to them, if there was an avalanche... Would you stand underneath it and go, look how big that wow. is? You know, and, and tragically, uh, tragically, a few years ago, a bit further down the uh, coast at a, at a sands called Gwydion, a little girl did die trying to climb up them oh and, and she was buried under the sand. So there was a very big sand cliff that was created at a beach that's about two or three miles away from here called Crantock. And it was actually... Because of the direction of the of the surf, they, it had created this massive sand cliff of about thirty five meters high. Sorry, thirty five oh. feet. That not no not meters. Clearly, that's the height of a cliff. What am I talking about? <laughs> thirty five feet say, high. Damn. damn, it was big. <laughs> but and fortunate. I mean, people did stay away from it, but only because there was signage there telling them, <laughs> please don't be a total twat. Don't go and stand under that because you're going to die. <laughs> You know, or, or whatever the officially nice oh, words gosh. are saying the same thing. But interestingly, somebody, at, it, it, it has not been um, excavated to that degree for so long that man, people managed to pull out what I consider to be archaeological rubbish or archaeological, uh, yeah, consumer archaeology. There was an old <laughs> Smith's crisps packet 
from when you actually used to have the little blue things of salt inside. And there was sort of proper early 1970s packaging came out of the bottom <laughs> of the sand. So it was, yeah, so that, that pretty much said when it was last uh, taken back to that degree. So, um, but we, I, I go down there to the beach every day with my daughter Liv now and we, we, um, we beach clean every single day because we have a massive global problem in terms of plastic on the beach. And uh, Perrinporth is going for a plastic-free uh, coastline accreditation at the moment. So every day we go down and we pick up rubbish, um, which is great for the dogs. They think it's fun. Um, it's not so great for my back, um, but it's good for the beach. And every now and again, you bump into somebody who's as blarmy as you are, who's doing the same thing. Um, and yesterday, I actually managed to get myself one of those big uh, radio flyer type things with pneumatic tires on it for like 20 quid wow. off Facebook Marketplace. So I can go industrial beach cleaning now. So there's, there's, no, there's literally no stopping me. But I understand you're, you're planning on coming over again. Is that right? Yeah. Talking about coming on over. Um, you know, because Aiden, uh, I have a... Uh, <laughs> I have a ticket to go see uh, the last performance of his play on uh, September 8th. I'm very, very excited. And there are a couple of other folks that um, I've met as part of the Poldark obsession who are also going to be there uh, that same day. But um, yeah, thinking about coming back over to your place on the 9th. Well, more than thinking, it's actually going to happen. So, uh, yeah, this is something that we've been plotting, really, since my last visit. Why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, kind of some of the, the plans we've got going, Karen? Well, it looks like I'm going to have to extend that uh, the rental of that farmhouse back a week as well, because... Currently, I've got about six people already staying in the farmhouse and about another six already staying in the hotel. Um, and for some reason, I can't imagine why, um, everybody wants to come to Cornwall in September. Why would that be? <laughs> wow. Huh. Who knows? Could it be perhaps that maybe there'll be some filming to be seen? Maybe? Well, hopefully. And I'm, I'm looking at my diary in abject horror thinking... How am I going to facilitate that? That's fine. I'll pull it off. But I will have to, I will have to hire a little minibus. There's no way everybody's going to fit in my car. Um, but we are going to go all over the place. I'm going to take people to all the locations. When we know where the filming is, we're going to divert and go and watch some of that. I'm going to do a day where we go down mines and then we go to Charlie Chokes. Actual Charlie Choke, actually spelt the same way. Um, he's a pasty maker in Falmouth. And we're going to do pasty school. He's going to teach you how to make pasties and then you can eat them on the beach and wash it down with cider in the evening. So we're going to have a miners and pasties day um, in the farmhouse. If you want to, people want to stay in the hotel, it'll cost a little bit more to stay in the hotel. Personally, I think it's going to be more fun in the house. Um, in the house, we're going to have the lounge every night. We're going to have set up with all the seasons of Poldark and we're just going to have it on pretty much a loop. Um, and we're going to have we're going to have the music playing constantly around the house. Um, you can dress you can dress any way you want to. If you want to stay in pajamas all day, that's fine. If you want to wear full costume, don't care. Um, 
Um, we'll be doing a full breakfast service, um, which means I'm walking from one end of my road to the other to do that. Um, it's a lovely farmhouse. We're going to do local gin tastings in the evening and some wine oh. tastings. Um, wine tasting. We have to do wine tasting. Yeah, I know. I have to, Don't worry, I've already got that one down. I know what you want. Number five. Night Oars number five. That's the one. Um, and... Uh, yeah, I, I'm going to be renting the. I've got the the house at the moment rented from the sixth of September for a week. But I'm going to go and see the lady who owns it, and I'm probably going to be extending it maybe a week in either direction. Um, because once the house is set up, we can people can come over, and I think you know does, they don't all have to come over at the at, at the same time. We can obviously have a bit of a party if they do, but we're going to have a bit of party if they don't all turn up at the same time. Do you want to stay longer? Stay longer. Come earlier. You can always go up to London and back just to see the show. Um, I don't. People have said to me, oh, well, he won't be there till after the play. No, he won't. I think that's a given. Um, but even if he even if he only has 24 hours or so off, the chances are the filming will start at the end of the first week. That's kind of what's likely. Um, even if they, they did some additional scenes without him first. But... If you're coming for a week or more, and people, I do really recommend to people, they don't come to Cornwall for less than a week. You've, you've seen what two and a half days does now. All it does is frustrate you madly, actually, because you go yes, think, yes, exactly. I haven't seen anything. Exactly. It's like, oh, I want to go down. Oh, we don't have time. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a big place. It's, it's a big place. So, so what do we need to tell um, our listeners who might be interested in joining us so from the seventh onwards, if they can intercept with you, some because except for the people who are going to see the last show, um, there's no reason why they don't come down a bit earlier. Um, and I'll see if I can fit them in. If they want to come the previous week, I've yet to negotiate that. But I suspect okay. I've, I can only seriously, I've only got about three rooms left. And the, le- the rooms that are left are two doubles and one single. And, it's a, and they are doubles with a double bed not twin rooms. So I can either have five people, four of which will be cosy, so either in a relationship or open to the idea of having one, um, and <laughs> and a single. Um, so apart from, and then, but the previous week then, we've got two family rooms, which can each, each sleep three people. Those are currently booked. Then four doubles and a single. So... The best thing to do is to contact you, obviously, through all the wonderful means that you've provided for them. Or they can indeed, uh, they can email me direct, which is Karen, spelt the ordinary way. So K-A-R-E-N at poldarks, with an S, cornwall.com. Or they can phone me because I don't go anywhere without my cell phone. Um, And the number for that would be double zero double four um they have to drop the o o seven eight five nine eight zero three seven three seven or if i've made that completely impossible to understand which is possible um just have a look at the website i haven't got the farmyard the farmyard because that would be grotty to stay in no i haven't got the farmhouse as a buyable product on the website you can certainly book the hotel on the website and you can check the dates on the website. But because this is special, um, I it, you need to let me know about it. If you want to stay in the farmhouse, which is going to be an absolute blast, um, then let me know. Okay.
Okay, well, <laughs> well, thank you to all our listeners who listen to this very special podcast. And uh, like Karen said, feel free to visit her website to get in touch with her directly via phone or email her. And uh, surely, well, you will have a blast if you go to Cornwall. Of course. I mean, you can come anytime. I mean, from now on, I've got people booking right now for the whole of the year. So um, you come and I'll show you around. Can't wait to see you all. So before we leave you this week, I thought I'd start the new year with a brand new segment. So brace yourselves for theme music and really bad singing. Pull Dark News! Pull Dark News! Again, I'd just like to say that I'm really, really sorry. Um, but anyway, let's start with uh, we got the first look at the new cover for The Angry Tide with Drake and Morwenna gracing the cover. Now, The Angry Tide is the seventh book in Winston Graham's product series and it will make up the second half of series four that will be coming along this spring. It's published by Macmillan and will be available from the 19th of April. Despite my complete disgust at Drake and Morwenna as a ship, I will probably still be buying this because pretty. And I guess our second bit of news is that filming of Poldark Series 4 has officially finished. Yes, the wrap party was just a few days ago. I'd like to personally thank Mammoth Screen and Josh Whitehouse for providing us with photos. It was so cute. I wish I could just be a fly on that wall. And I think that's it. I mean, the NTAs were a few nights ago, but unlike a few years ago, Poduck was not nominated. Uh, I guess Poduck's just not nominated for things anymore. Maybe the BBC needs to stick it on a more popular time of year i don't know but it feels like almost a full year has, has gone between this season and the nta so oh, wait that's not news this is just me babbling i should stop okay and uh, we are two signing off so we will catch you guys next week i yes. guess with a new commentary podcast okay bye <laughs>